Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Welcome to Revive the Drive. In the studio with me are Rich Burkle and Art Georges. I'm Daniel Bennett, and we are continuing the discussion on homosexuality. We've spent several uh, sessions talking about this, a biblical understanding of it, and uh, why we're dealing with this topic. And at the end of our last Revive the Drive session together, we began talking about the hope that the gospel offers. Uh, we were looking at the passage in First uh, Corinthians that talks about uh, how people used to be in certain types of lifestyle. And uh, what we're going to do in, in this session and Lord willing in the next is just kind of talk about some practical issues. Now that we have a, a biblical understanding of homosexuality and the hope that the gospel offers, talk about some, some practical issues. And um, one of the things that we hear people talking about a lot, and just to kind of finish up what we were talking about last time, is the idea that um, uh, a person who's a homosexual – uh, that that's that's who they are. As I hear people talking about this issue, I, I, even within the church, and we're going to specifically talk about some issues related to the church, I hear what I would describe as a biological determinism. In other words, who I was is who I am is who I will be. Um, what does the what does the church say to the individual who comes uh, to the church and says, "Look"? I, this is who I've always been. I've always struggled with these same-sex attractions. I, I don't see, you know, I've prayed prayers. I continue to feel these these uh, same-sex urges. I'm attracted to people that the same gender. What what do you, what do we say to to people who are are struggling, honestly struggling with that issue? Well, it says the same thing as it says to uh, the one who struggles with. Uh, an opposite sex attraction both prior to and outside of marriage, um, that that would not be in keeping with holiness, with godliness, and therefore you exercise uh, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit if you're born again to deny that sexual temptation. So so, I was going to say, you know, one one of the things to, to say to a person if you're talking to them directly is, is uh, you know God loves you. <laughs> it's important to know God loves you so much He sent His Son, Jesus, to die in your place, so that if you would believe in Him, you wouldn't perish as a result of sins that that were part of your life from the moment of conception, um, and that you would have eternal life. You would have life, and you would have it more abundantly, mm-hmm. and that your identity is not bound up by any natural inclination especially natural inclinations that are outside of God's design and will for you. But your identity now is bound up in Christ who liberates you from sins that enslave you and who provides a new hope and a whole new future for you in, in regard to your identity, in regard to your lifestyle, in regard to your experience with God and, and yourself and others. So what you're saying, one of the first things we would say uh, you know, affirming love for that person, we, we would encourage them with with the gospel and say, "Hey, you're, you're not a victim of nature." In other words, 
um, you're not, um, we believe that you have the ability to act contrary to what you might naturally desire. Uh, one one thought experiment. I I was I was talking with someone on this issue, and they, they said, "Look, if a person has these urges, how how can you give them any hope of of living differently? And that, that's how that that's how they've been made. It's how they've been designed. There's there's not there's not an option for them otherwise." And I said, "Well, you know, imagine uh, you're in a, a plane crash and you land on a deserted island, and it's it's you and and one woman who who survives. You know, do you believe that you can even in that context live in a uh, in a way that's faithful to the covenant vows you've made with your wife who's still alive somewhere do you, do you believe you know or you know pat robertson talks about uh he made that very unfortunate statement a few years ago about if a person's uh, spouse uh develops alzheimer's that it mitigates our responsibility to keep the covenantal obligation uh, young people are told that uh, you have no choice but to act upon your your impulses and so the idea of waiting until marriage to engage in sexual relationships is is not realistic so over and over again we tell people through the grace of the gospel you can operate in a way that's that's contrary to what you would naturally desire in and of yourself in the flesh yeah so much of our uh, sin is brought about uh, by um the emptiness and the search for significance, the search for uh, meaning and fulfillment outside of the God who created us. And uh, for unbelievers, um, there's this sense of despair in looking for the meaning of life, and it causes them to turn to uh, their own minds, their futile minds, which have been darkened, and to look for meaning and significance. And that happens in the sexual realm as well. And the glory of the gospel is that... uh, Jesus Christ restores hope and and meaning and the image of God and the understanding of the image of God to the one who believes. I love what Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 says. Uh, it, it says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and verse 15, might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Mm. And, and the one who doesn't have a sense of God's plan and purpose for their life and for eternity tries to find meaning and significance in this life in the wrong areas, and sexual uh, immorality is one of those areas. And it's by the glory of the gospel that we have that hope uh, and and that design restored in our minds that we can live for it. We're no longer fearing that death severs us from any pursuit of meaning, and so we yep. live for God. Yeah. And, and you know, if, if uh, there are those listening to uh, this Revive the Drive who either have same-sex attraction or have, um, you know, committed themselves in, in behaviors that are homosexual in nature, um, we, we do want you to know that, that God does love you, and we hope that um, you would – Understand that we have open arms towards you. That, that we want you to come and talk. Mm. In other words, the, the Church of Jesus wants to communicate God's love and grace to you. Yes. Um, and uh, and yet, you know, you you may be thinking, well, if if in order for me to um, resist these impulses, I would have to deny my basic identity, and I, I'd have to deny who I really am. 
there, there may be a sense where that actually is true if you sense you, you have to deny your sinful self. You, know, you don't have to deny who God has designed you to be, but there's a difference between who God designed you to be for all of eternity and, uh, and your sinful self. And Jesus did say, you know, if you want to come follow me, uh, deny yourself, take up your cross, and come. Mm. And that's the invitation that, that every person – it's not just the person struggling with homosexual inclinations. It's every person has to come to grips with this call of Christ to deny ourselves, to deny our sinful self, these inclinations that we say, this is the way I'd live my life if I were in charge of my life and if I were pursuing my own desires, my own inclinations, my own will. Um, Jesus says, well, if you're going to follow me and have the life that I'm offering, you, you do have to deny yourself. Mm. And I think that's a message of the gospel that, that often is missing not just to those who are struggling with homosexuality, but those who are struggling with the multitude of sins, thinking we can come to Christ with, and yet come to him embracing all of these aspects of ourselves that, that are sinful and that, that we enjoy. And it's impossible. We can't. That's good. So here's here's another question. Again, we're thinking about the church and how the church relates to homosexuality and uh, people who are are struggling with that. So, Rich, you said uh, if you're struggling with this, we'd welcome you with with open arms, and you know we have open arms toward toward these these folks. And so so let's let's say that someone responds to us and they say, okay, you you said you have open arms to me. I I want to become a, a member of of your church. Um, how do we respond to a person who? Uh, has either struggled with homosexuality in the past or would identify them. There's a lot of different categories here. Or would say, you know what, I I think I I have this attraction, but I'm not acting on it, or I'm engaged in this lifestyle. You know, how would how would we respond to a person who came to us and said, I want, I want to be a member of the church, but I've struggled with this sin in fill-in-the-blank way? And obviously what you fill-in-the-blank <laughs> with there is, is very important, but... Yep. How, how would you guys respond to that in terms well, of church membership? Well, maybe before Art answers that question, uh, maybe we should I, define some terms. Mm. You know, so when we say um, the word homosexual, what do we mean by that? Yeah. And and then you know I, the, the question you asked. Uh, another way to ask it is: Can a homosexual be a Christian? Mm-hmm. And so maybe define the term Christian too. So what is what do we mean by homosexual when we use that term? And then what do we mean by a Christian when we use that term? Yeah, okay. So um, what we mean uh, by homosexual is uh, we're thinking in terms of a practicing uh, homosexual, one who is practicing a same-sex um, attract uh, is, is acting out their same-sex attraction. So they're actually uh, um, engaging in, in – uh, sexual um, activity with others of the same sex, and um, and we're not talking about same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. And so we're not talking about the one who may feel an inclination or an attraction towards someone of the same sex but is not acting on it, okay? So we're saying mm-hmm. someone that may have a same-sex attraction isn't – we're not equating that with a homosexual. Right. 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 And, and the other aspect of that definition I might add would be an – uh, continues willfully in it. Right. In other words, they're not repentant. It's right. it's not a person who has these uh, strong temptations, resists, 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 and then at some point maybe fails and enters into that sin, and then 
right. confesses that sin and right. seeks God's grace and says, God, that was wrong. That's good. Uh, this is not who I am anymore. This is this is not part of, of your design, your will. Um, we're talking about someone who not only – uh, pursues relationships that are homosexual, but does so in an unrepentant, willful right, way. Right? right. That's good. That's good. And so that distinguishes them from the practice. Um, and then a Christian is someone who, uh, as Jesus said himself, he who loves me will obey my commands. And so a Christian is one who is endeavoring with all of their heart, soul, and mind to follow Christ, to honor Christ. Uh, we all stumble in that. We all uh, commit sin. But here's what John says to uh, the church in 1 John chapter 3. He says, Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And he says, You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. So in other words, Christ came, and John says later, he came to destroy the works of the devil. And so the one who places their faith in Jesus Christ actually has uh, a severing of the stronghold of sin over Mm -hmm. their life. They're no longer held captive, as Romans chapter 6 says, to practicing sin. Mm -hmm. And so the one who would have that same sex attraction may stumble, but they're no longer practicing it. The one who uh, has an opposite sex attraction may stumble and commit adultery, but they're not practicing it. They repent and they ask for God's forgiveness, and uh, they are restored by God and by others. And and Christians do sin, but, Absolutely. but they do not practice sin, as First John three says, and First John three nine to continue uh, that section that you were reading from. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. And, you know, uh, one definition of a Christian is just someone who has the life of God in their soul. They've been born of God. Uh, there's this new principle at work that has changed them fundamentally. And and what John is saying, once once that life of God is in your soul, you cannot continue in the life that you used mm-hmm. to continue in, which was a life of transgressing against God's law, unrepentantly, willfully uh, embracing that sin. And uh, so, you know, I, I think the answer to the question, if we have those definitions in view, can a homosexual be a Christian? And the answer is clearly from Scripture, no. Uh, one cannot be a person who practices a sin unrepentantly, willfully, willfully uh, without, right. uh, without repentance, um, and be born of God. That's what John so clearly teaches us. Right. And so then the further answer to the question, will the church uh, accept into membership a practicing homosexual or a homosexual as we defined it? And the answer would be no, as as would we also refrain from accepting someone who is practicing another and, and willfully and, and uh, determined to continue to practice another type of sin. Okay, well, some have said that the church is – treating homosexuals uh, more harshly than other groups. Uh, So, so for example, uh, divorced uh, people. Um, How, in fact, uh, there was an article that I was reading that was was talking about how they believe that the church is eventually going to come to view homosexuality the same way it is viewed divorce and remarriage. He talks about how he used to be Mm -hmm. a part of a denomination that that, – 
that excluded people who'd been divorced from from leadership. He they actually held that if you've been remarried, you were in perpetual adultery, and mm. and now the church has changed on on divorce, remarriage, adultery. It'll change on homosexuality as well. Is is there a double standard in how we're treating homosexuality versus other sins? Well, first, I think the church needs to own the fact <laughs> that we haven't always done a good job on either account, um, and and. Uh, the church needs to labor to deal with divorce in a biblical way, mm. needs to shepherd those who are uh, struggling in their marriages and heading towards divorce in a way that holds up the high standard of God's word towards marriage, the fact that he hates divorce, and, uh, and, and, and helps those individuals. And then if a divorce has happened, that the church ought to uh, continue uh, to shepherd that process so that uh, – if if it is as a result of sin that there is a repentance and a and a, uh, a profession of that need to repent before the people, so that they see that this is an issue, uh, and so we we need to admit that uh, the church doesn't always do a good job of dealing with that, and and we deserve some criticism there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the assault upon marriage did not begin in in uh, the 21st century. It began in in, in our culture anyway in, in the, the 20th century, over 40 years ago, when um, you know contraception created a means by which one could engage in sexual relationship without the uh, undesired consequence of, of uh, bringing about a baby. And then uh, the no-fault divorce laws just opened the floodgates. The, you used to have to – a lot of the young people don't even realize this, that that couples, in order to be divorced, you had to prove that mm-hmm. the other person either committed adultery mm-hmm. or was extremely cruel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you had to prove that to, mm-hmm. to a judge. And so no fault divorce, anybody can get divorced, and, and we've seen uh, marriage crumble from that. Yet I would say, so with all that, say the church has not done well at preserving the purity uh, of God's standard in regards to these, and, and we'll accept that criticism and say, God help us, by mm-hmm. God's grace, we, we want to move forward. Yet there there is a bit of um, an apple and orange uh, scenario because in Scripture there is a an exception for divorce that's mentioned, that, that it's, it's possible to be a godly person and be divorced. Um, and yet there's no exception in relationship to homosexual conduct. Yeah, and I think that that's exactly right. And one of the key issues that Art mentioned is the idea of repentance. So a person who has uh, let's let's assume it's for unbiblical reasons has has been divorced, has remarried. Um, that person has the the potential of of repentance of saying, okay, you know what, what I did was wrong, and uh, I need God's grace in this area, and asking for God's forgiveness. Uh, of what does a homosexual repent? You know, if if those situations are analogous. Uh, there's no, there's nothing they're acknowledging the need to repent from, and so I think that's mm. that's where, because the, if they're going to repent of homosexuality being a sin, then they need to leave the homosexual lifestyle. Right? That's right. And so that seems a, a pretty big distinction yeah. to me. And and I think that's an important um, aspect that that uh, often is confused in this conversation. People say, well, people can be, you know, a murderer and a, you know, uh, adulterer and all kinds of things and and be a Christian. Uh, but they can't be an unrepentant murderer. <laughs> right. They can't be an unrepentant right. adulterer. It's, it's the aspect of unrepentant. It's not the sin that keeps a person out of the kingdom. It's the lack of repentance yeah. over sin and faith yeah. and, and genuine faith in Christ that 
keeps a person out of God's kingdom. And and so, you know, we ask the question, can we um can we have uh homosexuals become church members or even before that, should we baptize people who are avowed homosexuals? And and again, the answer is you, you can't in good faith place that external seal of baptism upon a person who gives who doesn't give the biblical evidence of a testimony in line with scripture regarding genuine conversion. And again, we're distinguishing between a person who has same sex attraction and a person who actually is acting out in that, in a homosexual relationship. And we're saying, Mm -hmm. can a person with same sex attraction be baptized? Yes. Can a person that might struggle with that in terms of temptation, be a Christian, of course. Uh, But we're, we're distinguishing between a person who unrepentantly says, I'm going to engage in this despite what God says. Yeah. Well, we hope, the, again, this is as always encouraging to you as uh, you seek to live in a way to glorify God, and we look forward to talking to you, and we'll look at some more questions, uh, practical questions involving homosexuality in our next edition of Revive the Drive.